Hi, this is your old friend Dave Alvin, and right this second, you're listening to Radio 8-Ball with your pal Andras Jones. Radio 8-Ball, give us a shake. We're here on Feral Audio, tempting fate. Putting questions to the song. Back to Radio 8 Ball, the show where we answer questions by picking songs at random and interpreting those randomly chosen songs as the answers to the questions, like picking musical tarot cards. I'm your host, Andras Jones, hanging out here at Unison Studios in North Hollywood, California, with our musical guest, Pete Molinari. Pete Molinari. Molinari, Molinari, right? Molinari. You got and to the point where some of the musicians, as Rob, who pl- uh, I met through Bruce, who plays drums, I, when I call him, he goes Molinari. That's good. <laughs> and uh, and we have uh, we're we're bringing it all back home. Yeah. For our second to last uh, musical divination, our penultimate musical divination of this episode. Mm-hmm. We met him at the beginning of the show. Yeah. He's been working the board, making sure everything sounds great. This yep. is his place. With Bruce a glitch or two. How's it going? <laughs> going great. It's going great. I've been, I mean, these people, Pete's yeah, friends are fun. pretty cool. Yeah. One of the things about doing this show is, because I'm, I'm put, I put one of these out every day. Yeah. I just, it, I'm, we're about to end our, we're going to, we're moving towards the end of our second season. And I'm really looking forward to have, no, there's no breaks from synchronicity. There's no breaks from consciousness. But I am so, I've just been a hermit. I'm editing or booking all the time and have been now for two years. It's just been breakneck. I haven't broken my neck, but it's breakneck. (laughs) And, but whenever, then the best, the only really, really good part of it is these sessions. Yeah. And what happens is I come into these communities, like the, because this is your community. Yeah. And I get so, like, you never go, ever like go to someone else's house and you're like, I want to be a Molinari. <laughs> the Molinaris are so cool. His dad's not a jerk like you. That's pretty funny. Can I say it? I want to stay at his house tonight. Yeah, that's really what. Like, and that's definitely what the feeling I get around. I mean, I, and I'm, I'm not. Gonna, I mean, it's definitely present for me here. Your friends are just so groovy and cool. Yeah. But I, it's really, it's almost always in these. Not always. There's somewhere I'm like. Yeah, that was fun, but I don't necessarily want to live there. But this one, I yeah. just feel like, oh man, good bunch. Huh? Yeah, you know, and it's like yeah. that thing. It's like everyone you, you you envy everyone's life unless you had to be them. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. You're like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I know. Like, you, it's yeah. not so great being a Molinari, but Jonesing <laughs> looks okay from where I sit. Yeah. From the outside looking in. Yeah, the synchronicity. You show up. You record some things. You talk to people. Yeah. It sounds great. 
Yeah. Uh, but let's, uh, Bruce, you've been listening to all of this. Right. And I, uh, listening is your business. Yep. That's what you do. Yes, I do. So I, I also think you, you need to, maybe or someone needs to be drawn out a little bit. So I want to just ask you what has been your experience and then I'm going to stop talking and I just want you to tell us a little bit of what, what your experience has been of the last few hours listening well, to this. I mean, it's very interesting to, you know, I mean, I've met some of these people before, a few I haven't, um, but it's, you know, it's a credit to Pete and who Pete is as an artist that brings us together, I think, you know. Um, me and him started, you heard a little bit early on how we got together, but after that, it was like, hey, man, you want to record? And we would just record, you yeah. know? It wasn't like, hey, you know, want to record in my studio? I want to charge you. We just started to work, you know? Yeah. Because we enjoyed the same type of music. We loved the, the Beatles, the Stones, whatever. We clicked on that. And then guys in my circle, Rob, who he's mentioned, Joe Malone, who played guitar yeah. on a lot of this stuff, it was just this kind of, wow, oh, check this guy out. It's a new toy we can play with because... Look, in all honesty, there's not that many great artists that I just walk into your studio. It just doesn't happen. Yeah. You know, I don't advertise here. Everything I've done since I decided to not, you know, be an artist anymore because I did it like you did and like he did. And yeah. There was a certain point where I went, well, I can record my own record. I don't need some guy in a suit to tell me I can do that. So I recorded my first record years ago. Sent it out, got press, you know, got a great write-up in Mojo magazine. And I'm like, I'm cool. I don't need a guy in a suit yeah. to let me make a record. So that's that was when I decided after that I want to, like, teach people or produce and, you know, find young artists, find people that are cool. And that's when I started my label, which is Unison Music. And... I started it at the worst time. It was right before iTunes, right before Spotify. Mm. Um, you know, the the sixth artist I signed did something for me. But the other ones were like, it was a growing pain. But that being said, my reasoning for starting a label was that I didn't want to record stuff for money. That wasn't good. It was really hard to balance that. You know, you're a producer, you got a studio, and any kids that can, you know, put together 500 bucks can book you for the day. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? As soon as, you know, when home recordings became easy in the 2000s, late 90s, you know? Mm -hmm. And it was a lot of painful stuff. And some of it was a lot of what you guys were talking to with Elizabeth about. Yeah. Kids would come in, write their first song, you know, and want to make a record and think they can do it in a day and then wonder why it doesn't sound good. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And then the whole thing of Pro Tools when that came in and you were having... Kids were coming in that knew more about the program than I did. Then I was like this kind of old school guy going, well, why don't you want to play it again? He goes, well, I did it right in the first verse, just fly it over. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, well, what yeah. if you fucking make a mistake and it's a cool mistake? It was a yeah. really hard thing to watch. And also making a living at it, there was this weird balance for me. Like, when do I say that was really bad, guys? Or do they really care? Or am I old and it's great? Right. I didn't fucking yeah. know, you know? Right. 
So when somebody like him walks in, I'm like, fuck, dude, let's do this. I understand know? this. This I this get. This I get. <laughs> and he's got integrity and the lyrics are good. He's a good guy. And we went at it. And, and you know, it was, you know, I mean, I wish I would have had the finances I had in the beginning of my label when I met P because I would have signed Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I we even talked about it. We were like, well, if something doesn't come up, I can help you with distribution. I just don't have the, the funds to hire PR anymore. Yeah. All that kind of stuff. So when we did the first five songs or six, yeah, yeah whatever, um, his manager shopped it around. And that's what led him to Linda, which is a great thing for me, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's a lot. I can relate to a lot of what Elizabeth said, a lot of what everybody has said about music and the fear of it now. But I think that the key to success now is playing as much as possible. Don't worry about record sales. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, you get, people are going to make... Artists will make their money performing now. Right. Know? Well, and, and in that sense, that sort of does say that... In some sense, the performing... Like, you have... Even, even if all you're doing is pushing a button and waving your arm, you still have to go out there and do it and hold someone's attention. Exactly. So, yeah. it, you know, you can't. It, it's not just... The Archies, right, right. No. The band, the cartoon band that could be anyone. It's funny, and, or, it's yeah. funny you bring that up. When I was <laughs> seven or eight years old, my mom had met Ron Dante, who was the songwriter. <laughs> yeah, we almost had him on the show recently. Yeah. All right, so he's I'm a you know seven eight year old kid. I love the Archies and yeah, Sugar Sugar, and she introduces me to him, and I was so fucking disappointed. That he wasn't, wasn't a cartoon. He wasn't a cartoon. <laughs> She's like, this is Ron Dante. He wrote Sugar Sugar. And I'm like, no, he didn't. He doesn't know. And I'm like, I was That's really, like, really bummed me out. I'm I like, bet it bummed him out, too. <laughs> well, I didn't say it. My, my, I was smart enough not to be rude to him. But yeah. I went to my mom. I'm like, what do you mean? No. <laughs> I can see. This is Ron Dante from the Archies. <laughs> and you're like, I'm so sorry. It's like it happens all the time. That's <laughs> funny. But yeah, it is. There is some fear in my mind that going, you know, kids are gonna have their music devices and go. I want to listen to something that's 180 BPM and is in the key of G. Yeah. But I, th- I think art, art will push its way through. You gotta remember, popular music became popular because somebody was an artist. And yeah, then somebody yeah. decided they were going to make it a product. Yeah. And here we are, you know, many years later. But yeah. as you were talking about Beethoven or, yeah. Yeah. I think that, you know, music will live on. Yeah. Well, you know, enough about Beethoven. Let's talk about Bruce Whitkin. <laughs> um, yeah. So I want to connect the dots here. Mm-hmm. So between starting your own studio and just missing out on being able to sign Pete Molinari but still mm-hmm. be you know, producing his record and loving the Archies mm-hmm. and not, not liking meeting Ron Dante <laughs> what's like in the interim you said that you made your own music did you are, yeah, you, like, are you from LA or well, you? I originally born in New York Jews migrate to Florida so yeah. mom followed grandma down I was about 11 or 12 when we got to Florida my mom managed bands down there so I grew up in a band house when I was oh, that's 10. Oh, so cool. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was around it my whole life. Um, I put together a band in Florida um, when I was about 13 or 14 years old. And the big new, I was in a band with Johnny Depp. He was in my band. 
we moved out here in the 84. Uh, he was in the band. And um, I was telling Elizabeth about it when we were talking, and I remember getting here in the 80s, 84, and turning on MTV and realizing we were about a year too late. Because everything we hated was popular now. I know. I know. Yeah. I, I moved out '86. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. The, yeah. And nothing against it, but no. You know, yeah. It hair just, metal and just wasn't yeah. our cup of tea. You know. But it yeah. changed. It there did. was a. It, it, there it was changed. a changed in that yeah. early '90s with the coffee yeah. houses, and yeah. that was the yeah. that was an exciting exciting time. But I went through the mill of the you know the managers and doing the showcases and getting the demo deals and you know MCA in the '80s, all this kind of stuff that I went through I was a decent songwriter I knew what I wanted to be you know yeah but I wasn't ever gonna do what was popular yeah so I just stuck to my guns and this manager that manager almost getting signed but having a manager not knowing how to use that power to try and get some other people interested yeah but it came to a point where I was like you know this I'm okay I, I started to do my own records what was the name know? of the band the band in Florida was called The Kids. The Kids. And the way we got that name was my mom's band, who she managed. It was me, and the drummer that is in the band was the brother's keyboard player. I mean, mm -hmm. the keyboard player's brother. And they would just say, go get the kids to deal with this yeah. shit. So yeah. we just called the band The Kids. And then when you came out, did you stay The Kids? We stayed The Kids for a little while. We changed the name to some weird name for a minute because we thought we were, at 23, we were too old to be called The Kids. Right. Um... What were the, what you know, was, yeah, yeah. What was the what was the name that you chose after? I don't even remember. It was that bad. Okay, yeah. you don't want to admit. I, I don't <laughs> I remember. We what was weird is because we were big fish in Little Pond in Florida. I mean, yeah, we were getting that's making the LA money. story. Yeah, and we got out here and and you're like, it happened for the Heartbreakers. Well, yeah, it wasn't even that. It's just we we got out here and things started to roll. But I think there were certain things within. You know, you've been in bands. We were in a band together for a while. And certain things didn't go right. One of the guys went back home for a minute. And then, you know, long story short, Johnny Depp became fucking Johnny huge moon star. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, and I continued on after that for many years. Doing your own thing? My own Under thing. Under your own name? or I did. A, I had a band called Supremium for a while. Uh -huh. um, you know, and I did a solo thing. I just kept recording because I always loved recording. Even when I was a kid, I would take two tape decks and bounce them back, and you know. So did you just have a home studio. Yeah, yeah. like in the in the closet. Yeah. Eight track Tascam. I actually had an eight track Otari. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Like in the when the band kind of disbanded in '85, I wound up getting a couple songs in a movie out here. It was, what film? It was a movie called Head Office. It was this real C grade movie, but I got paid like yeah. ten grand a track back then. They were paying big money back then. So I bought yeah. my first real recording setup, and I thought, man, I'm in. I'm going to do songs for movies, and now got a couple more. But I just kept chugging, and when I I had my own studio, and somebody said, hey, what would you charge me to record? And I'm like, really? You want to pay me to do that? I didn't, never even thought of it, and that's where I am now. That's how it yeah. all started, really. Yeah. Cool. Well, I mean, I want to... I... This is this is that point. It happens yeah. a few times in a show where I just I'm like, I wish this was just an interview podcast and we could just talk for an hour, but yeah. we can't. We got to get to your good. we got to get to your question for the pop oracle. Right. So 
Uh, we get to spin the thing. Yeah. You don't get to spin. We're on. We're oh. on. Well, I'll tell you oh, in a second. Okay. But I'll let you. You can do spin yeah. for. You want to spin it for fun? Yeah, I definitely. <laughs> Which way does it matter? Either way. Give it a good spin. Yeah, you have more I, fun I was with it. To... Nice. So. Because uh, he only got a couple songs left, right? Right. Yeah. So here that. we go. So, what is your question for the pop oracle? This is a good one. Okay, what would Pete Molinari be if he wasn't a musician? What would said, Pete Molinari be if he wasn't a musician? That's a good question. Okay. Well, actually, hold on. Let me, a musician and a, an author, because he already is an author, so he can't jump to Yeah, that. I can't do that. That's if I can't if Pete Molinari that. wasn't doing what Pete Molinari... <laughs> why don't we say, if he also didn't know how to dress Nazi? No, no, that, <laughs> no. He yeah, can still do that. No, the dressing... Okay. Yeah, he can okay. be anything yeah. in dress Nazi. Okay, cool. All right. Well, now we're down to two songs left on the board. Right. Yeah. They are song number one, Waiting on a Train, a song we've heard a lot about. Right. It's, we've been teasing this song. Yeah. The reveal, the big reveal is coming, yeah. and song number two, "Born to Be Blue," a song that really that we haven't talked about. I feel yeah. like it's, we've given it short shrift. Yeah, that was recorded it's on kind of last last session. Sad little yeah. song, "Born to Be Blue." Um, uh, so, yeah. Well, so we have these two songs left. These one of these is going to be the answer to the question of what you, Pete Molinari, would be if you weren't a musician author. Yeah. So. Well, looking at his hat, now, I could say a train can. <laughs> <laughs> so, we have exhausted the wheel of eight. Yes. We have used up the radio eight cards. We are now down to the binary oracular divinatory tool, or wow. as you may know it, the coin. coin we call it the radio eight coin. Really? If it lands on heads, and it is binary, really. Now, oh no, it would be zeros and ones. This is ones right. and twos. Yeah. So, uh, uh, so if it lands on heads, it is going to be waiting for a train. It lands on tails. It's going to be born to be blue. Awesome, Bruce Whitkins. Would you flip? Be glad to. <laughs> the radio eight coin. Tails. <laughs> born to, to be, be blue. blue. Born to be <laughs> blue. That's what I'm going to be if I. Had... <laughs> That's funny. So me, I'll go in and check to make sure we're good. So just go for it. All right, born to be blue. Take one. I've been lovesick, babe, and lonely. Got no place to call my home. And my feet feel weak. I've roamed. Have no fear of what you're feeling. I tilt my head, stare at the ceiling. You know it's true. Well, I could tell a tale or two about the travesties I've seen, but I don't believe society. Mark on me The words unsaid We should not mention To break your heart It's not my intention Believe me It's true I 
Witkin's question. Now, usually, I gotta say, usually, I, I don't. I, I encourage people to ask a, per, a selfish question, a personal uh, question. But I believe that you actually, this is a selfish question. You are actually curious about this, so I, <laughs> I, I'm letting it pass. All right. Listeners are like, why isn't he giving shit about it? It's like, because that listeners, because that is that was a very sincere question, and I got a great answer. I think and the question is, what would this guy who you work with? Mm-hmm. It's become a big part of your life. What would he be if he wasn't doing the thing that you do together? Well, it's also because I don't know what the fuck I would be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I'd be sad. I'd be right. born to be blue. There you well, go. there's a lot of yeah. ways to look at it. So let, tell us about the background of that song. Where does that, where does that song come from? Um, it's just kind of, I, I, I do, although I, you know, although I kind of see, I am a happy-lucky-go-lucky cha- uh, happy chap, I guess, in some ways I have five brothers and three sisters and we all laugh and joke and I have all these buddies yeah. and, but you know, there's, I, I have a, you know, there's a, there's a place that you go to that's a bit lonely sometimes and a bit, you know, we've all been a bit sad. So I guess it's, uh, there's, I mean, I, there's a title of a, of a Chet Baker record called Born to be Blue, which right. I love and I love that. I love his voice and the, and the music he made. So I guess the title is is from there and those old, seems like those old Blue Notes always had uh, Blue Note records, you know, always mm-hmm. had yeah. Blue in the titles somehow, right? Miles Davis kind or whatever. Blue, and yeah, Billie yeah. Holiday had these great songs of Blue, Blue Moon and... So Rhapsody I like that. Blue. I, yeah, yeah, I like the I like that aspect of it, you know, the colour blue and all that stuff. And... Um, and... Mm. Uh, it was just, you know what, I, I needed one of those songs, I thought, because I like making a record. Like I'm not, I have those, I have buddies like the Black Keys and that, they have a sound and they, you know, you listen to the first song and you listen to the last song and it's that. But I always love those records. I guess the thing I love most about Dylan and the Beatles and those artists is like, you know, you listen to... Uh, you listen to Help or something, right. and you've got like you know Ticket to Ride. You got Help, and you got Yesterday on there somewhere. I, yeah. I love, I love the fact that you could have, 
you know, these rock and roll numbers and there's some song on there. I guess it was the same with Costello and sure, other yeah. people, right? There's always Something some... to complete the record for you. Yeah. yeah. For me, it's there's always some kind of... I, I like to have one or two songs like that. And I guess, you know, the other Waiting for a Train's a little bit in the middle there somewhere. But I, I felt like I needed a song that would be pretty much led by the acoustic guitar in that way that would kind of, you know, and I like those old kind of even like, you know, those the Ricky Nelson's band where it's kind of rock and roll, but he's always got yeah. a great acoustic guitar sound going on. And so I guess I just felt I really needed one of those. And I had this song half finished and we were doing another session. Like Bruce says, we just, he's just like got songs want to record. Right. So uh, we were doing that and I just had this one on the end of it. And uh, I think your yeah. idea from the beginning was we should get like a yeah. washboard or yeah, ended up spoons, right? Spoons, With yeah. Ben <laughs> was around. And well, it was also he was talking about, you know, uh, Johnny Cash would put um, playing cards in his guitar to make the percussion, so we kind of used that as percussion. And mm-hmm. yeah. then we had a, one of having a spoon solo. <laughs> yeah. It's a bit of a kind of campfire-ish kind of song, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. It's just like a cool one that I felt like, again, I felt like the... the I, it's, it's the same when I have like these kind of really melodic songs and like, like Linda did, you know. She was like, oh, you've got all of these really kind of hooky numbers, but you don't ever satisfy me. So that's how I felt like with Born to be Blue. I felt like I needed an acoustic song. So I guess that was the kind of, that was the, Got it. you know, that was the need for kind of finishing a song like that. Cool. And what was there a, I get, I, I sort of, it's, it's interesting. When I ask you about where your songs come from, you talk a lot about having some sort of, where it fits in and like, it's, it's very, you're, it's a very sort of high-minded artist, and I mean that in a good way. Yeah, sort of take on it, but I, I'm all, I'm always so curious about the lyrical content, or not even just lyrical t- content. Was there an initiate? Like, was like, what were you doing in your life at the time? Like, what was going on in your life? Other, were you just making music for your record, or was there? I think I'm just a little bit of a kind of as much as I as much as I. Uh... You know, I mean, all of these friends I've made out here are kind of like my family because I right. have five. Bro- I have a big family over there in England. I don't even really see that much, you know. So I always kind of, you know, if I'm not around, if I'm not around these friends, you know, I always thought of myself as a bit of a loner, actually, because right, it's yeah. like when you, you when you leave a big family and you go to art school and you kind of go and live in New York and you go and so there's all that always that sense of like being born to be. Blue. I know it sounds somewhat dramatic, but you I know also what I mean? think possibly there was some peaks and valleys since when we first started recording yeah, in the first sure. batch to the second batch because we did it in yeah. two separate kind of with Linda in the middle. Yeah. I met Linda yeah. and we recorded a little bit, and then and so in his more. professional life he was going through some. Peaks so was and that yeah. so was that was born to be blue about uh, sort of pro- professional disappointments or some, frustrations or romantic or in some ways no not 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 anything romantic like not, nothing like satisfying me. It was more of a kind of. Yeah, it was, it was like, uh, you know, um, in a way, like what Bruce was talking about with the things he went through a little bit, it's kind of like getting, you know, you sign to a label, you record a bunch of songs first and they're great and, you know, or you'd like them and then you're looking, you know, I was on a, I was on a uh, deal initially with Warner Brothers, with Lenny, you know, that I got kind of dropped from because there was a whole whole thing happening there, restructuring and then 
you know, I met Bruce. Some things never change in the record oh, yeah. business. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they, that's the one part of the record business they kept. That's yeah, like the, exactly. the worst part. Yeah. When you get signed by someone and then someone new gets hired and all of a sudden they're like, uh, we just screw everyone that they like. Yeah. But it was a typical Pete, though, because we came in and we worked on, it was me and Rob, the drummer, and Pete first on these, just working them out. Yeah. And we worked on about three of them like that were kind of rocked up. And I said, well, what else you got? And he just started playing this thing. I'm like. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's fucking great. I said that's it should just be that with some stuff on it. Yeah, you know? yeah. And yeah. I, I don't even know if you had the lyrics fully well, done at that yeah, point. Yeah, I didn't yeah. have it all together, but, it, but Bruce really liked it. Just it. had it that like just sentimental well, feeling to it. This, yeah, yeah. Let's bring it back to the to where the question came from. Mm-hmm. So, what did you think about? You know, it was your question. Mm-hmm. How do you feel like that answered your question about? what Pete would be if he wasn't the musician and writer that you know? Well, I mean, if you, if you, I mean, obviously the question threw you off guard. It was something, you know, I think about a lot myself. What would you be if you weren't doing this? Like, what have I, well, no, I never thought about it. You know what I mean? And that's why I was like, that would be an interesting question. It is. I think for Pete, and for me, look, you, we're survivors, so you figure out a way to survive. But, you know, what could you be? You know, you could be, probably be a fucking movie star, for all we know. You know what I Who mean? Who knows? But I don't, I, it's funny. I don't... I but don't, to I don't me, think, the, yeah. Yeah, I don't think there's anything else. Yeah. I mean, I love my, I love food. You know, I love yeah. working around with food. I often thought, God, I wonder if I wasn't doing it, even though yeah, that's, be that's a creative. Chef. You could be a chef. You know, so that's creative. So maybe maybe something like that. But I can't, I don't think, I don't think anything. I don't think I can really think of anything. And I think no matter what I'd be doing, I'd be trying to, you know, if I, I'd still be playing music if I was sitting in the park or something. I don't know. I'd always be trying to do something. But I can't really think of another I, I, I well, the answer is he'd be a painter in blue. He's born yeah, in blue. Yeah. A painter. Yeah. That's not bad. He'd be some kind of artist. That's not bad. Yeah. In well, some way. There's a couple things. First of all, uh, blue is the throat chakra, relates to the throat chakra. So right. there's something about, like, I was born to sing. Right. I was born to express myself. Yeah. So my star sign apparently is related to the throat chakra too. Oh. So I was thinking that it might be a, it might be a sense of, you'd start to you'd think about what other ways you could express what you get from you said an author but i just feel like you're if you're a singer if you're a writer and a singer being a writer and a singer what else could you be you know you could be so you could be i you could be a i could see someone who like my who's a who's like a like a professor who stands in front of a class right right recites poetry to them and inspires people yeah, yeah. and and there's a there's an audience there and you get to use your voice and you yep. get to you yeah. might teach about you know but you'd be someone who you might still be someone who loved music and was inspired by it maybe you you still might yeah. sing as a part of that i'm just thinking of other things if I, if I other re- ways that you would I express i mean it's, that. it's another artistic it's another it's another form of art but yeah. if if i if i could ever do anything other than music and i really mean it something i would love to do is to just you know be a playwright right it's what i wanted to do before music actually i mean i went to theater a lot as a kid but 
I just kind of, you know, in some ways I like that idea, you know, I probably have, I probably have more aspirations to be like Arthur Miller than Mick Jagger, you know, that's probably more in my character, actually. I I love writing songs, I love singing them and I love being in front of a crowd, but I don't think I have that, that much of an extrovert nature to be a Mick Jagger. I'm probably, I'd rather be sitting with a pen and a book like Leonard Cohen or something. Right, right. Well, I I mean, I think it's interesting because it comes from, the question comes from you, Bruce, Mm. and... There is a, there's a really, I don't know if we can actually dig into it, but there's a powerful emotional sink for me in the story that you tell about your, because I moved out here right. with my friend who was in a band. Mm-hmm. We were in this band together. We said, had that same ride. Right. I was acting. Right. I, that was sort of, that was sort of what broke up the band was right. that I was taking roles that were taking me away. Mm-hmm. And that changed, like, the way that all played out changed the course of my life. Oh, yeah. Super funny. The Elvis Costello poster that's on your wall yeah, was yeah. on the wall in the room, the apartment that we shared. Oh, wow. And so there's that powerful sync. And then there's this other piece of it, which I think goes to this, is, I don't know about you, but I think there's a similar case of feeling like, I love doing this, and I'm going to keep doing this, but I got to do something else too right. because I can't just keep out going out there saying, look at me, look at me, look at me Right, right. at a certain point. Right. And for me, there was shifting to focusing on radio eight ball was saying, okay, I still want to be an artist. I still love doing my thing, but the look at me side of the business is dwindling. And I sure. want to get in the look at you side of right. the business yeah. Yeah. where I can be around. Cause even just on the, an emotional level, yeah, I love my work, but I'm, but it's not enough to sustain me yeah. at all. It's like, yeah, it's, it's, I need the Pete Molinari's. I need to be yeah. around other artists and feel myself investing and giving, you know, creating a space where I can groove on it and be a supporter of it and, right. yeah. and be a, a part of someone else's thing in a way that's supportive. And I feel like that's sort of what, you're doing and i think that maybe that's kind of that that's i mean i think that's maybe a natural artistic arc is that you go from being the student to being the star to being the teacher right yeah I mean, linda is like a, such a perfect yeah. example yeah. she was the you know she was a, a young star she had a big hit yeah she moved into the look at you side of the business of like, yeah. I'm going to invest my talent and all the, so for her, it's been a very lucrative side of the business. Yeah. She's picked the right people to work for and write yeah, great yeah. songs for. And, but at the same time, I feel like that is the sort of, you know, we were born to, we were all born to be blue in the sense of, of living in the realm of the fifth chakra and expression. Yeah. Right. And then what we find the different, like sometimes we're the star yeah. and sometimes we're the engineer and sometimes yeah. we're the producer and yeah. sometimes we're in the audience thinking, well, I mean, why am I not up there? I mean, what's interesting is I surround myself with some Costello stuff, and I, I think back to the... Well, I, I discovered him on the second record, but to have the career he had would be the ideal career Yeah. to me. I, yeah. You know, he never had to worry about making a hit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He did whatever he wanted. He... And that that's way better to me than the Stones and yeah. the pressure of the Beatles. And, yeah. you know, if you think about true. Yeah. that career that everybody made fun of me for liking him when I was a kid. 
Because it was 77. Yeah. Like, How can you like that guy? He's got glasses. And, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. His words don't make sense. And Yeah. You know, and I've, you know, and, and to, to see him still going, playing wherever he wants, when he wants, he doesn't have to play a stadium. That's a great career, and I would wish that kind of career for him, you know? Yeah. Because I've been around people that are hugely famous, and they're not that happy. Yeah. They really true. aren't. It's a real good point. Yeah, no, I mean, that's it, exactly. I mean, and I mean, we look at these people like Elvis and Marilyn Monroe and the Beatles, yeah. and it's like, you know, there's, there, is a, there is a sense of, like, wanting to be them for a moment, you know, because it's like you see they're kind of like, you know, they're... Yeah. Great, but you also look at like they were terribly lonely and ter- yeah. it's a lonely place to be. I think when you're well, you right can, there at the top. True, I think you can overshoot it, and I think you know as I think as sort of bringing it back to where we started this. If you got the right people around you, yeah, you yep. don't become Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, yeah. In a way, you yeah. know, I I get a sense Catherine Hepburn didn't have the same problems. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I think a big part of that. I mean, look at where they came from. She came. She, first of all, she came from money. She came from a family of intellectuals. Yeah, yeah. And so when she encountered fame, she had a support system that was smarter than yeah. the people who were offering her these things. Whereas Marilyn Monroe was just this working class girl. Yeah, she yeah. didn't know what was going. You know, and it's true. She'd been true. she'd yeah. been through some she'd been through some shit, and she didn't have a support system. So the yeah. first person who said, "I'll help you," was like, "Yeah, I'll, I need help." Yep. Yeah. So I mean. I don't think, I mean, in the good way, yeah. I don't think you have to worry about being no. Marilyn Monroe or good Elvis or the Beatles. Me. I think <laughs> yeah. more likely you can be like Elvis Costello and you I know so, express yeah. yourself and do your things. Although at the same yeah. time, I always feel like that thing, like Elvis Costello got to be Elvis Costello. Whatever we're doing now, right. we're on the other side of something else. I mean, sure. we're playing the same kind of music, but that Whatever existed for yeah. Elvis to be Elvis, yeah. that's gone. I mean, it's I, like trying to discover America. I mean, already, <laughs> someone's already here. Yeah. Like I'm, I met uh, Springsteen too. Right. And he he kind of. I, I mean, I guess, I guess in some ways he plays these huge stadiums, right? Mm. But I, I remember in that time uh, that I met him. You know, because he said some lovely things and stuff, and he's a nice chap. And I didn't really know that much about his. I, I didn't grow up listening to him, so I didn't. I had to do a quick course in Springsteen <laughs> before I went to meet him. I just knew a couple of hits, you know. But then um, backstage after this big stadium thing, and uh, he said something along those lines that he was like, you know, I I I had a I had a hit which was like really difficult, uh, and I, yeah. I I couldn't follow that up, and I didn't know what to do. True. You know, and I went and made this completely different record afterwards because I, he's, you know, he said I'm not, I'm not Lennon and McCartney. I didn't know how to keep churning that kind of thing out. And when you have a big hit like that, it can be the loneliest place to be because you don't know what the fuck to do. Yeah. Well, I don't really necessarily want to end on that note. Yeah. That's kind of, a, <laughs> but but we do, but we do need to keep moving. This has been a nice, a nice long deep session here with you bruce we have to we have one more musical divination to do yeah but uh so you you don't have don't you know unless you're really good and by good you know use pete as a measuring stick don't get in touch with this guy he doesn't want to produce your stuff but if you're good (laughs) look him up yeah there you go there you go that's bruce whitkin thanks guys thanks bruce 
Thanks for listening to Radio 8 Ball. We hope today's musical divination brings and brought the sync to you wherever you are. For more info about our show, visit Radio8Ball.com, where you'll find the Radio 8 blog, our Patreon campaign, and where you can download our Radio 8 Ball app that allows you to engage the pop oracle directly in the form of every song ever performed in the history of Radio 8 Ball. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. And if you give us good reviews and ratings, that really helps get the word out. Until next time, I'm your host, Andras Jones, wishing you lots of spine-tingling synchronicities, connections with the natural world, and all the inspiration you can handle. It's the radio.